When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Chris Adams-Wall. And welcome into This Week in Rays Baseball, Winter Meetings Edition. I'm Chris Adams-Wall, coming to you from the Winter Meetings in Nashville, Tennessee. All quiet on the Western Front so far, but we all know that that can change at a moment's notice. On today's program, I'll sit down with Rays President of Baseball Operations, Eric Neander, to discuss Tampa Bay's goals here in Music City on day one. Then I'll be joined by Bobby Heck, special assistant to the Rays president and general manager, who was named Major League Baseball's East Coast Scout of the Year. But first, Rays president of baseball operations, Eric Neander. Chris Adams will all join now by the Rays president of baseball operations, Mr. Eric Neander. I think I have that pronunciation right, finally. Thanks so much for joining us, Eric. You got it right. Neander like Neanderthal. We'll keep it right there. So, uh, so happy to. So we're, we're in Nashville right now, but I am curious, how's your offseason been so far? Have you done anything fun? Uh, no, I just uh, maintained the, the bitterness of the quick postseason effort, mm-hmm. uh, exit longer than we probably should. But uh, it look, it, it turns over quick. You have a little bit of a chance to exhale and lick your wounds, um, but it doesn't last long. Um, a lot of... The staff silly season, you know, has become an increasingly larger part of our game. You know, certainly happy for Peter to get the opportunity he did in Miami, uh, but leaves uh, a lot of room to, to maneuver things around and get the staff in a you know good working order moving forward. And then it's the roster. Um, you know, we, we take a lot of pride in being uh, exceptionally well prepared for anything that could happen. Most of it doesn't, but it doesn't stop you from doing the work. you got to mm-hmm. be ready for anything and everything, and uh, that – that keeps you busy and certainly has kept us busy so far. Yeah, and have you had some time to reflect on that quick postseason exit? It's been a couple of months since that happened. And has that loss uh, or the pain of that loss been tempered at all by the fact that the Rangers did, in fact, go on to win the World Series and you guys lost to the champs? Yeah, you could tell yourself a few things to, to feel better about it, I guess. Um, yeah, look, anything can happen in two games. I think it it's it stinks. You know, a lot of things didn't go our way last year, but to, to rally and to have our group stick together to win 99 games, the second most in our history, is something that we're really proud of. Um, you know, it doesn't make the ending any easier, but at some point you do have to flip the page. Uh, this does have to be about 2024, certainly. We've done that pretty quickly. It adds some motivation, and when you win 99 games with all that went wrong last year, uh, it doesn't guarantee we're going to win more than 99 this year, uh, but it does put you in a really good position and speaks to the strength of this organization, its infrastructure, and the depth that we have. And that gives confidence that we can make another run of this in 2024. We are here at the Winter Meetings in Nashville. We're in Music City. Uh, just curious, do you look forward to the Winter Meetings at all? I mean, I know it's a busy time for you guys to get the whole team here, but uh, what is it like for you? Yeah, it's each one's a little bit different. Last one, San Diego, beautiful weather. Um, you know, a nice a nice place to be. And Nashville's great too. Don't don't get me wrong, but uh, didn't have as much going on. A lot, a little more time just to spend with staff, have some meals, hang out, and 
in a weird way, it's usually a catalyst. Last year just was a bit more calm, you know, when it when it came to everything going on, and that was that was okay. Um, this year, a lot more activity, a lot more conversations with club and uh, with clubs, excuse me. Uh, and it, like I said, it does often if you have activity and things going on, it can serve as a catalyst. Everybody's together. We're here uh, without many distractions, but just baseball and what's in front of us and. I don't know. If you, if you get some momentum on a potential transaction, it can be fun. Uh, maybe you get stupid, you stay up too late, don't sleep enough, and make a bad decision. But, uh, it's look, it's baseball. It's a lot of people that love baseball, and it's fun to be around them. And what are you and the Rays hoping to accomplish, or are you hoping to accomplish anything, in the three or four days that we're here? Yeah, not changing the way we make decisions, um, you know, in any sort of notable way while being in a different environment. Uh trying to avoid upending our our standard processes for how we go about putting our roster together but i think it's look it communication 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 uh with one another with other organizations we're all here um it makes it really easy to accomplish that and you know when it comes to the roster building aspects you know hopefully each conversation each day you move a little bit closer towards achieving that final picture and what you'll look like in 2024 mm-hmm. and how have this year's winter meetings been so far i mean we're barely 24 hours in after yeah. day one yeah. but how, how's it been uh, usually the best sleep is the first night and then it goes down from from there uh, typically uh have had some conversations uh teams agents uh you, you go through that try to squeeze in some meetings uh spend some time with the staff and do a lot of brainstorming on you know what could be when it comes to potential potential transactions and the like, but uh, it's it's been good. The energy's up right now. Um, the thoughts are up, and uh, no no action. You know when it comes to the roster, but like I said, you you continue to have conversations and, and determine which clubs can line up with you and match needs, and um, hopefully uh, the work that we're putting in will lead to something for for next year's club and beyond. You touched on it earlier, but this was a really good team last year. They won 99 games, second most in franchise history. But we're at the winter meetings where you know fans are expecting, what are the Rays going to do? What are the Rays going to do? The Rays have a ton of depth. They have a ton of overall talent. Do you feel any pressure to make moves at all, or even specifically this week while you're here, just being around the other 29 teams? No. I, look, you, you try to – put all your energy into to where it matters most and I think we've got to you know line up line up our players and our view of what's going to give us the best chance to ultimately win a world series and um, you go from there sometimes that means a popular decision sometimes that means an unpopular decision sometimes that means no decision <laughs> just uh, the way the way that these things go but try to stay focused on the parts that are most important on getting us to that ultimate on-field goal and um, you know any noise that sits outside of that um, you, you try to you try to keep it to a minimal that said look this game is driven by interest and fans and uh, that's something we certainly respect and never lose sight of at the same time there's just a balance when it comes into to doing everything that we want to achieve and really at the end of the day if we can win a world series we believe that's what's going to bring out the most fans and the most excitement for our club you are around the other 29 teams though so how in tune are you with what other teams are doing i mean are you are you paying pretty close attention to some of the moves that are going down yeah i think more look you, you, we have a lot of people in our organization that have strong relationships with people in other organizations and you try to get it directly from the source uh more so than reading what's on mlb trade rumors or or the like um it's helpful don't get me wrong i might check it like 35 times a day while we're here uh because it might be a source of information but 
uh, for the most part, you're just trying to stay close with the club, especially those where you think you might have some overlap in terms of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so it's a lot of communication, a lot of conversations. And yeah, during this time, it is a catalyst. Things can move quick and you definitely have that fear of missing out a little bit. It's going to keep you close to a lot of different things. But they did win 99 games last year. So obviously a really talented team. What are the Rays' needs going forward? They obviously they came up just short in the division, but then Baltimore also ran into Texas, and you know Texas beat them three games as opposed to the Rays two two times. Uh, what are those targets, though? I mean, I know that we have Rene Pinto on the team, and uh, he might be the starting catcher going forward. Uh, you might not. You have Alex Jackson down there in AAA, but if you had to identify some priorities going forward for this offseason for the Rays, what would those be? Yeah, look, I'd have a manager that would jump on here and yell at me if I didn't say pitching uh, <laughs> first and, and foremost. And no matter what we have, that's always going to be the answer. Um, it's uh, like we've, we've got a lot of great arms, but I think more than ever, it's it's harder to keep them healthy for a full season. And it's, we, we've certainly lived that, unfortunately, and you see it across the game. And um, Hopefully over time we have better answers for how to keep our best on the field um, at the levels that they, you know, they're performing at. But, um, you know, no matter where we sit, it's always pitching. You mm-hmm. know, you can never take it for granted. Uh, you can never have enough. And um, that's going to be something that no matter what decisions we make, we're always going to be looking to add more there. Mm-hmm. And certainly the catcher, we got one catcher on our 40-man roster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have to acknowledge that. Renee is somebody that we're really high on, mm-hmm. um, think has the potential. We saw the ability to impact the baseball. We saw what he can do defensively, mm-hmm. um, create a bigger strike zone for the pitcher. He throws, has the respect of staffs. So that's all great. Um, Alex Jackson, we like. Happy to bring him back mm-hmm. on a minor league deal. Uh, we'll see how things shake out as we go forward. Mm-hmm. But those are two guys we certainly like. And uh, another position where you better have some depth because you're always a, a foul tip away from needing it. We know the Rays organization is uh, known for being really communicative with their players during the offseason. I mean, has that been the case this offseason as well? Yeah, I think probably as it goes on in December, January, and it settles in, certainly so. The cash, you know, they have their contact points. Our medical staff have their contact points from a front office um, yeah, I feel like sometimes maybe they're sick of seeing us, you know, around too much during the season. Let them have a little bit of space, enjoy themselves, you know, when we call, wonder why we're calling, you know, uh-huh. from time to time and need to assure them. It's just to check in and care about them, their families, their well-being. But um, you try to give them their space to recharge and have their distance because um, we're around each other an awful lot from February, hopefully through the end of October. But uh, we certainly care about our players and on the, you know, trade possibilities, things like that as they arise. Mm-hmm. Um, Want to make sure they hear that stuff from us. But uh, haven't had many of those conversations so far. And last question for you before I get you out of here. Let's say that, and this is for the fans, obviously, and for me, someone who's not in the room. Let's say there's a free agent that you like or someone on your in the front office likes how does that all work does somebody when you guys are meeting you say i think we go after this guy and then you guys talk about it or is is that all from you or or how does that work we've got a pretty big team and for us to be successful we really have to get a place of identifying and placing a value you know or an assessment on each player that's out there you know some handicapping for availability but um, 99, I think, percent of the work that, that we do when we're kind of surveying the, the player universe um, is never, you know, never leads to action, you know. Mm-hmm. But you have to have it all in order to make the best possible decisions. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of people involved in that. Certainly, um, you know, Carlos Rodriguez, Chandler Loudermilk, Will Cousins, our current AGMs, 
uh, our VP of player personnel, Kevin Ibach, does a, a wonderful job on the player front and, and a host of others. You know, Bobby Heck we talked about, John Daniels, um, who's certainly getting his due with what's been accomplished in Texas. We're lucky to have him. Um, a lot of people doing a lot of different things. And, again, at the end of the day, we just have to be in a position to know how we line things up, and then you go knocking on doors and make your way through. Mm-hmm. And bonus question for you. No Peter Bendix at this year's winter meetings. Is that kind of weird for you? It's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see him at somewhere looking across at the different suites here. You can kind of <laughs> see if we can identify where he is and uh, if he's made some new friends. But uh, ha- really happy for Peter. Uh, it's, an, it's an incredible opportunity. Um, I've probably spent more time with Pete you know, over the last 15 years uh, as, as anybody that, that's here. He, he deserves it. He's been a huge part of our, our success. We'll miss him. Um, wish him nothing but the best, but it does provide opportunity for a lot of talented people. We have to step up and do a little bit more. Well, we appreciate the time, Eric Neander, the Rays president of baseball operations. Best of luck, and we can't wait to see what happens. Awesome. Thanks very much. I appreciate it, and happy holidays. And we certainly appreciate the time of Rays president of baseball operations, Eric Neander. Next up, special assistant to the Rays president and general manager, Bobby Heck, who was named Major League Baseball's East Coast Scout of the Year. Bobby, first of all, congratulations. Thanks for taking the time. I know this is a really big deal, but what does it mean to you? Thank you for um, the uh, props. But I, I think the, the, what I'm getting out of it the most is it, it's voted on by my peer group. And um, to have that, be re- have that type of respect from people you compete against, I don't know if there's really much more gratification I can get from being recognized in this way. Spoke with Eric Neander yesterday, uh, the vice president of baseball operations, and he had only great things to say about you. He said, Bobby is an incredible talent evaluator, but he's also uh, an even better person and a better friend. He said, you're a family first guy, and then it's baseball. What does this award mean to your family? Well, I I think they're very much a part of it, and um, they're very happy for me, but I share this with them as much as I'm getting it because um, I, I think I've learned to be a better family guy. I think I, I got absorbed at times in this game where um, they were put second and um, not rightfully so because um, this game will consume you if you let it. And I think part of it too is growing up and gaining wisdom, working smarter, and um, also that something that you think is ultra important can wait till tomorrow. And just having your family prioritized and, and being present um, with them as much as possible. So, yeah. So, yeah, they've had some sacrifice as I was growing on how to manage that. So, yes, I, I share this award with them as much as anything. And how did you find out about this award? I mean, Major League Baseball's East Coast Scout of the Year. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, actually, uh, the foundation's run by Roberta Mazir, and um, she was uh, – she goes back to the angels working in their scouting department and, uh, you know, wanted to recognize scouts because she, from, from her administrative role there in scouting, she saw the time and sacrifice scouts put in. And a lot of times they're just the unsung heroes of, of baseball and especially for players they find that aren't so obvious. And, um, so yeah, this has gone on for a number of years. A couple of my mentors have actually been honored over time. And, uh, yeah, it's something I have attended ever since I started attending the winter meetings back in '99. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a uh, it's a big night, and uh, 
you know, to have be up there with your, your peers and, and some of the guys that are going in this year, too, that I've worked with and against. So. And you will be honored for this award on Wednesday. I know there's a ballot involved, and you started to share that story with me yesterday, but if you don't mind continuing to share that story with our listeners, because it's a pretty good story. Yeah, it, it, the, the irony of it actually turned out a very in a better way. But um, so after you have to be in, in scouting for twenty five years as a full time scout. So I hit my twenty five years two years ago and was excited to finally see my name in the ballot. And, and we usually get the ballots right around Labor Day, and I open it up and I'm not on the ballot. So uh, I reach out uh, to uh, Sydney Malone, who's currently um, our lead administrator in. Um, in amateur scouting and Sammy Byerly, who was before that when I first came over and just asked who had the best relationship with Roberta Mazur. Mm-hmm. Um, could you call Roberta and tell her I was omitted from the ballot? And Sydney jumped right on it and said, I'll reach out. And uh, so Roberta was apologetic, and which actually it worked out because two years ago we didn't have winter meetings and there would have been no celebration. Um, and then um, Roberta must have got a little confused because the ballot came out again last year. Excited to see my name on it for the first time, and Sydney Malone is on the ballot. And so, see, they were a little confusing where she uh, mixed up the names of who was going on the ballot, and you know, Sydney's not quite to 25 years yet. I'm sure she will if she chooses to be. But uh, and then this year, finally on the ballot, it actually worked out great because it's natural and it was easier for my wife and daughter to attend. Let's go back to Eric Neander. I know you're a big football guy, New York Giants fan. We'll get to that in a little bit. But Eric also called you his left tackle, to use a football term. What has it been like working with Eric over the last over ten years now? Yeah, um, he's a special person. I don't you know, people that don't get to experience him from being inside the clubhouse, so to speak. Um, they're they're not getting the full money of what he is is a person as a leader. Uh, it's been fun watching him grow as well. Um, he brings energy every day that's, I don't think it's, I think it's unmatched. I, I, I actually worry about him at times about getting enough rest. I go dad mode sometimes. and like, all right, you got to think about yourself here. Make sure you get your sleep and make sure you get your exercise. And But, no, he's a fantastic person to be with and work with. Um, yeah, but just from the left tackle, there's so much going on in an organization. We're so big. And the fact that I get to touch almost every department, every theater, whether it's scouting, player development, international, um, I see a lot of our people. And, you know, there's he can't see and know everything. And I think part of that is just making sure he doesn't get blindsided or surprised. So that's the left tackle. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're part of the broadcasting department. Today, we're here in Nashville at the winter meetings. What is the Rays' goal here, or what are the Rays' goals so far? I, I mean, I know it's been a little slow so far, uh, but obviously you're not necessarily confined to just three days here to figure out what the team is going to look like in 2024. Yeah, and a lot of times this is to, one, it's get people together on your own staff. And you know, we get a little preview of that last month at the GM meetings. And uh, and then you, you actually, you're you're in a bubble of executives from other clubs. So it helps force conversations to set the table, so to speak, to have ongoing talks. Um, I think what we've learned this new behavior in our game, just because of prospects, how they're how much they're coveted, teams rather spend money. That 
especially the teams that can spend money before they go into trade mode. So a lot of this is like, yeah, would we wish to do trades while we're here? Yeah, and we've contacted a number of clubs, but they're not ready to move into that market yet. They're going to exhaust a lot of the free agents off, and then that'll force some of those teams more into trade mode. But we're trying to be active, but you also want to do it in a smart way and you know, as aggressive as we want to be, as prepared we are to do trades, you need you need a dance partner. And do you enjoy the winter meetings at all? Um, yes and, and no. I mean, because it's, um, it's a lot crammed into a few days, which is good. That's efficient. You get to see a lot of people that you may not have seen this year out in the field, especially with other clubs. Um, or at the very least, someone you saw that, you, you know, you're friends with or you get to say happy holidays and give them a hug and maybe have a drink. Um, but yeah, as far as just the traffic and getting around from room to room, there's no I'll be there in 15 minutes. It'd be, it'd be, it, you can just double it. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've had an illustrious career in baseball, and I want to make sure I get this right. So you did play in the Oakland Athletics Organization for a little bit. What was that like, A? And then, B, how did you get into scouting? Because you first served as an area scout with the Texas Rangers, and you did that for about five years. So what was your playing career like? And how did the opportunity come about to get into scouting? Yeah, my baseball opportunity came purely because I could catch and throw. So you need catchers. Um, so I went out and played a few years, and the clock ran out on that pretty quickly. I had a chance to resign, um, decided to get on with life, um, go back and finish school. And at that time, I was coaching at a junior college that I played at, Broward Community College, while finishing my degree. Um, Thought I wanted to coach, and um, then actually pursued my master's degree at St. Thomas University, where they had one of the first sports management programs. And uh, it got time for me to to get my internship done, and they wouldn't let my current work count as that. And simultaneously, I was asked about becoming a an associate scout in South Florida for um, the Milwaukee Brewers and. Demi Mineri was the area scout who happens to be the, I think, one of the all-time winningest junior college coaches with national titles and a ton of major league players. And it's kind of where I got hooked into scouting. And it wasn't my intention, but I was trying to get something checked off. And uh, it was not a lot of young people in scouting at that time. And then there was a transition to adding professional departments for scouting. And, and then the game got young pretty quick there. So... You know, you, you, when, when you're not playing, you miss competing, you miss the clubhouse, but you find out you can you can channel that in scouting as well. So Texas for five years, and then you're named the Eastern Scouting Supervisor for the Milwaukee Brewers uh, from 2000 to 2002, and you scouted most of the core group of that Brewers team, guys like Ryan Braun and Prince Fielder. What do you remember about your time with the Brewers? Um, it was I was probably a little early going into being a regional supervisor because I only had the four years full time with Texas as an area scout. Um, so there was learning. I, I think I think the biggest thing was learning how to listen and not hear and really be connected, intuitive with your scouts, understand what they're saying. But no, it was great because I came off a staff actually in Milwaukee that produced seven scouting directors. And kudos to Jack Sarinzek, who who brought me over there. And uh, he gave us a lot of autonomy and uh, taught us how really to be a scouting director for our regions, which boded well and made it kind of seamless when we finally got those opportunities as a director. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun building something from the bottom up and 
um, and then seeing a core group that eventually got to the postseason. So, yeah, it was really cool. And then prior to the 2008 season, you joined the Houston Astros as their scouting director, and you oversaw the selections of a lot of guys that fans nowadays are quite familiar with, J.D. Martinez, George Springer, Carlos Correa, Dallas Keuchel, and the Rays' own Brett Phillips there for a little while. So you kind of helped usher in whatever this iteration of the Astros is. I mean, there has to be uh, a badge of honor that you wear for that, no? Yeah, I th- I badge of honor. I, I just call it val- we were validated. I think um, you know we did. I think we did things our way. I mean, I think a lot of it was it was not just me. It was a, a, an entire staff of a lot of had a lot of good veteran area scouts. Had some young cross checkers, um, but you know some of the picks we took were against the grain, so to speak, and. You know, weren't consensus first round picks or top of the first round picks. Um, so I th- after in time, I think we planted a lot of good flowers that bloomed there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it, and then to see them, you know, especially the seventeen team, there's a lot of dots to be connected to guys that we had on that roster as well as players they moved off that roster and trades and what have you. So yeah, it's would you like to see it through? For sure. I think we know it, that that's part of what happens when there's change in this game. And um, But it actually wound up for the best for me. Yeah, of course, those players I mentioned are not on the team now. But whatever this era is of the Houston Astros, like they kind of started it. And you're a big part of that. Then you joined the Rays in 2012. How did that opportunity come about? Well, first of all, I was sent to scout free agency. So uh, you got, you got to be jobless a little bit to go get opportunities unless a team calls on permission. So... But anyway, it was um, R.J. Harrison was very instrumental in, in connecting Andrew and myself. Um, it's uh, it was a, I do call it scout at free agents because it's like one of the first times you get to talk to all the clubs about different opportunities. Um, I knew, I guess after a few weeks just of exhaling, you don't realize you're on this hamster wheel for five years and more tired than you think you are. And uh, then got to a point where I was like, you know, I just want to evaluate, and I want to break from managing people. And um, a lot of the stuff aligned with Andrew. I, I didn't think there was any opportunity there, and I had heard about the culture, and, and I knew a lot of people there. And, uh, you know, I would have bet probably I was going to land at another place, but um, things came together pretty quickly when some other teams started getting a little closer to the end, and Andrew and his fashion can close as good as anybody. And, uh, no, this has been my happiest home by far and uh just continue to grow and, and and because of like all the energy and youth and intelligence we have is remarkable and I get to mentor and they they keep me young and they also help keep me you know from being stagnant mm-hmm. so yeah it's been a great great group great place and you've helped usher in this era of the Rays also everyone who works for the Rays knows how special an organization this is what makes it so special for you though I think it's the genuine care of people. Um, and I think a lot of this is, it, this has been built from the bottom up. Like you go back to 05 when, when Stu and Matt and Andrew came in and just the unique way they took over the organization. Like Matt and Andrew were not thrust into their roles. It was a year spending learning all about the Rays from top to bottom. And a lot of the people that are original Rays are still here. So they gave them a chance to you know, value, evaluate, 
um, and the fact that they've known, they knew all the people. And then, you know, when Haim comes aboard and Eric comes, they came in as interns, Peter as interns. So when they know everyone in the organization, I think it's just the genuine connectivity of employee to employee and making, like, making everyone feel that they're valued and they're part of what we're trying to do here. Now we've talked enough baseball. I think we can transition to the gridiron here. So you were born in New Jersey, just outside New York City. Grew up in South Florida, though. But as I mentioned earlier, you are a big New York Giants fan. Personally, my father grew up in White Plains, New York. Big Giants fan for about 56 years. And then the Dave Brown era happened, and he couldn't take it anymore. And when Parcells jumped to the Jets, so did my dad. It has not worked out for me. It has not worked out for my brother. It hasn't worked out for Jets fans. Giants have a couple of Super Bowls since then, but obviously enduring tough times here. Uh, what's it been like being a Giants fan? Are you a believer in Tommy DeVito also, <laughs> New, New Jersey's own? Yeah, the Tommy DeVito stuff is fun. And I've actually been in Jersey the last week with my daughter who lives there, and the media around it is awesome. And you know just how the, the local people have rallied around it. And he's embraced it as well as his parents. It's been fun to watch the underdog story. It's the rocky story of of the NFL, and he's actually played better each week. So it'll be fun to see how it plays out. I think, um, you know, I'm old enough to where I've seen some Super Bowls. I have some tortured friends that are Buffalo Bills fans. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do, do I, I want them to be knocking on Super Bowl doors again? Yeah, but it, it's, it's, it's something where I get to be a fan, you know, and I think it's hard to – when, you, when I always watch a baseball game, I'm evaluating it. And there's just some places you just want to escape. I want to be a fan. And it was a connection similar to what you had. Is like, it was my father who and it wind up something that we could share together. And uh, I'm not an NFL fan. I'm a Giants fan. So, and, uh, yeah, it's a uh, – I don't know where we're going. It's, it's just been – we were just spinning around a little bit. Um, it is a quarterback league, so hopefully we can find settle on that eventually. Hopefully it'll be Tommy DeVito's <laughs> team here in a little while. But, Bobby Heck, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations once again, and we'll see you again soon. Best of luck at the rest of the winter meeting. Much thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. We want to thank Bobby Heck and Eric Neander for their time. Remember to keep it right here for all the latest Rays news from Nashville. I'm Chris Adams-Wall. We'll talk to you again soon from the winter meetings in Music City. 